0: today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings. The Kings win and then lose because life hates us. We take a look at last night's Sharks game today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 6th, and you're listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sarah Pado, and I'm recording this in the wee hours of the morning after the Kings wrapped up their 4-3 to three overtime loss to the San Jose Sharks. You know, Around the middle of like the second period, I started entertaining thoughts of just recording this show before the game ended. If I have the choice, if I have the option, I prefer to wait until the game is over because that way I'm not just making things up. That way I actually have a game to talk about with all of you guys. But this game was going so poorly... (laughs) and showed so few signs of changing that I just was like, you know what, let's just start taking some notes. And I started like opening up natural stat trick and opening up the NHL's box score and reviewed the video of the goals that the Sharks scored against the Kings. Because by that point in time, it was already like three nothing Sharks. And I was like, you know, this is just We're just going to be done here. And as I was getting all set and prepping some information and getting some work done on the non-game related segment of today's show, the Kings scored a goal. And I was like, "Okay, well, now you've made this interesting. And then they continued to like throughout the end of throughout the end of the second period, like they didn't score again, but they continued to push and they actually looked good and like they cared about the game that they were playing, which is not how they looked you know, the beginning of the game. So I was like, all right, fine. Like, we'll wait. We'll we'll weigh this one out. We'll not record right away because they might do something interesting. And they did. And not only did they do something interesting, but they went to overtime, which means that the game ended even later for me, which means that, like, I might be incredibly, like, loopy by the end of this recording. But, you know, we're going to do our best together, you and me, as we look at what the Kings did. And what the Kings did <laughs> was basically fall all over themselves for about 30 minutes or so. They got totally dominated in the beginning of the game. Er Eric Carlson scored in the first period for the Sharks, which, you know, he's Eric Carlson, like whatever, of course he's going to score. And so the Kings got out of that period one to nothing, which fine, like that is not uncommon for the Kings. And unlike years past for the Kings, you get the feeling sometimes with this team that they might actually be able to score and get themselves out of the hole that they dug themselves. So that was fine. First period, Kings with 11 shots, Sharks with 8 shots. Many of those shots for the Kings came on the power play. It took them about like 10 minutes to get a shot on goal even, which is pretty depressing. The Kings did not have a great first period, but the time that they spent on the power play was actually looked pretty good, surprisingly enough, against the league's best penalty kill. Did they score on that power play? No, but they gained a lot of momentum from it and left the first period kind of being like, okay, like, we're we're playing a little better, playing a little better. Second period starts and uh, useless. The Kings got scored on twice. The Sharks had 10 shots in that period. Two of them turned into goals. Both of those goals came from Timo Meyer. who if you don't know who he is, you should, because the Sharks have him on an absolute steal of a contract. And if he even halfway lives up to what they gave him, he's going to be an absolute superstar. But two really smart goals from Timo Meyer puts the Sharks up 3-0. And yeah, that's about the point where I was like, you know what, this game kind of sucks. And we're just gonna think about doing like literally anything else with our time. Like we will just, you know, multitask, whatever. Time ticks down in the second period. And then all of a sudden, Adrian Kempe scores a goal. He was actually probably one of the best Kings players in this game. He was very strong on the puck. He he didn't look like the kind of like useless version of Adrian Kempe that we've seen a lot. He played 18 minutes and 50 seconds. He got almost six minutes on the power play. So Todd McClellan clearly was seeing something that he liked from Kempe. Kempe had five shots on goal, led the team in that figure, you know, just overall had a really, really strong night. And showed that on the score on the score sheet by getting the king started with that first goal so like I said around that time I was like okay they might make this interesting like we'll we'll just see what happens like maybe they'll at least come out and try and look okay for the third period comes out total reversal of fortunes kings are all over the sharks they're not giving the sharks many chances at all even though the sharks are really good at keeping you to the outside uh, keeping opponents away from their goaltender which is good because as we talked about yesterday their goaltending has not particularly been great in the Period the Kings outshot the Sharks 16 to 6, and goals came from, of course, the veteran players. Dustin Brown and Anja Kopitar both scored in that period for the Kings. Kopitar was the one who tied it up to send it to overtime. As we've said a lot on here, as, you know, as Kopitar goes, so does the Kings. He has been absolutely out of this world this season. He's a guy who seems to have a good year and then a bad year and then a good year and a bad year. Last year was his bad year. And this year is like good Anja Kopitar again, um, which is really good to see because this team does not go anywhere without him. Um, they definitely need their captain to be their best player. And so far this season, he really has been doing that. That goal came seconds after a power play expired. So you obviously won't count it as a power play goal, but it's close enough. The Kings had a lot of momentum on that play with the man advantage at the end of the game and kept holding on to the puck even after the penalty had expired to San Jose. So Kopitar ties it up for the Kings with... A little under eight minutes left, and from there it's just a matter of hanging on. And interestingly enough, as time ticked down, as the game came closer to an end, first off, Blake Lazotte was like drawing penalties all over the place. The Sharks take a penalty at the very end of the game for too many men on the ice. That was the second bench minor of the game. Uh, the Kings took one at the very beginning, um, and Sharks bookended it with <laughs> a too many men penalty of their own at the very end of the game, but. The Kings could have very easily sat back once they got to that point and just played for overtime. And instead, they were pushing, they were putting everything they had on Martin Jones to try to get out of this one in regulation. It was not to be. Overtime comes, and neither team really does a whole heck of a lot. There's a little bit of back and forth play, but not many shots, not many shot attempts either. And the Sharks head down into the zone and there's a shot and Jonathan Quick comes out to poke check it and he sort of poke checks it and he does it though right onto Patrick Marlowe's stick. And so Quick is like way out of his net and the puck is way on Patrick Marlowe's stick and obviously an easy goal for the veteran player. It was the only shot of overtime was that shot. So congratulations Patrick Marlowe for that, I guess. That was his 99th career game-winning goal. So he continues to rack up accolades and milestones and all of that as he plays this season. He's behind only Gordy Howe and Alex Ovechkin in terms of most game-winning goals in NHL history by a player with one franchise. So Gordy Howe had 121 with Detroit. Ovechkin so far has had 108 with Washington. That number obviously going to keep changing. But Patrick Marlowe with the win for the Sharks in overtime. Good things of that game, the Kings actually fought back. And, you know, like I said, there was a time last year and even the year before, and Probably a year before that, basically like lots of times in King's history, where if they get down one goal, okay, fine. If they get down two goals, you're just like, well, we're done here. No faith at all in them, providing the offense that will get them out of the hole that they dug for themselves. And so it is nice to watch this year's Kings team in the moments where they have like this that they're fun bad. Where you you know that they may not win, but the effort is gonna be there and the attempts are gonna be there and you're not going to watch the end of a game being like, well, they quit, so why am I still here? Encouraging signs to see the fight back, to see them not giving up and continuing to press, even though, you know, they're down 3 nothing. You know, that is a point in time where last year, last year's squad would have just given up and the game would have ended up being like 7 nothing by the end of it. So that is very encouraging to see the resilience, to see younger players stepping up and emerging. You know, Sean Walker looked really good in this game. The Blake Lazat line looked really good. Toffoli was good. Kempe was really good. Like I said, he was one of the Kings' most noticeable players all night long. Probably Kempe and Lazat were in that role. There's progress there, and there are things to look forward to there. The bad part is that the Kings were down 3 nothing. Like that should not have happened. They came out flat again. They let the other team dictate play again and only really turned it on and realized, oh, hey, we have to do something until they were already in a three nothing hole. So the slow starts absolutely have to stop. The power play absolutely has to be better. Even though this is the best penalty kill in the league, the Sharks have, there's just no excuse for failing to convert this often. Kings had five power play opportunities no power play goals. Uh, Like I said, Kopitar's tying goal came a little bit after a power play ended, but a little bit doesn't count. And so, you know, they were lucky that they were able to hold the, the Sharks off of the scoreboard with the penalty kill. But someone has to do something about special teams, like that button has to be unlocked. I don't know what they're doing. They have shown some improvement in, you know, the puck movement today was really good. They did a lot of work to get the Sharks players moving. And that helped a lot in terms of getting shots off and getting to the net. They did a better job of sort of boxing out Martin Jones and taking away his sight a lot of times, especially as they were pressing later in the game. So that is a plus as well. And that's something, that they said they were going to look at after the Arizona game, where they took about eight bajillion shots and, you know, had a really difficult time getting any in. So there are things to be glad about in this game, and there are things to want to continue to see improvement on. Uh, So one big thing that did happen in the game was Alec Martinez left the game close to the end when he had a collision with a Sharks player. Todd McClellan basically said, Alec Martinez got stepped on, which is bad. Uh, The replays of it don't look good, although the initial sort of glimpse from television made it look like he'd taken a skate to the face, which is even worse. McClellan said that Martinez took a skate into the arm area and he got stepped on and that's going to be evaluated. It's obviously not a good situation, but it's all I can really give you right now. So we will hear more tomorrow, hopefully, about Martinez's condition. And hopefully it's just, you know, merely a flesh wound and not something incredibly serious, especially because he has been taking on big minutes and has been playing a really big role and, you know, would leave essentially Drew Doughty as the only real veteran defenseman on the team. Best hopes for Alec Martinez and his health after taking a skate to somewhere in the arm area, but hoping that, hoping that all ends well with him. So we'll find out more about that in the future. It clearly wasn't a malicious play. It looks like Eric Carlson is the one who he collided with. um, And, you know, Carlson, having been on his own receiving end of accidental injuries via skate blades, this was just a play where Carlson was going down making a play and Martinez was also going down making a play and there was just all sorts of collisions of sharp pointy parts. So we're going to cross our fingers and hope for the best for Alec Martinez. So again, there's lots to learn from this game, but the fact that they showed the the pushback and showed the character essentially to get themselves out of that deficit and bring the game to overtime was great. The fact that it was lost basically on an overzealous Jonathan Quick poke check which he didn't have to make is really disappointing, but it is what it is. Kings get a point, Sharks Continue to like fight it out with Las Vegas, I guess, for whatever position that they want to be in. Kings next play on Wednesday against the New York Islanders. The Islanders just played the Ducks and did not do very well. That actually ended like some sort of ridiculous point streak for the Islanders. So I'm sure that they're going to come in tomorrow night feeling very motivated, which just sounds like a treat for us. We'll take a dive into the Islanders on tomorrow's show on Locked On Los Angeles Kings going to end our time together today by taking a quick look at three of our Kings prospects. And today I'm going to focus on our goalies. There are six Kings goalie prospects overall. Three have already turned pro, and then three are still in either juniors or college. And it's those three who we're going to talk about today. We'll give you a little look into what's going on and what the future of the Kings pipeline holds in the goalie position. First, we've got Lucas Parik, who is in his first season playing in North America, He's just 18 years old, was drafted in the third round of the 2019 draft, and is currently with the Spokane Chiefs in the WHL. Parikh has played nine games for the Chiefs. He's got a 2.44 goals against average and a 0.916 save percentage. He is mostly splitting time in the net with another rookie goaltender. That guy has played 13 games, so all about even. Parikh is fourth in terms of rookie goalies who have actually played a full game. Uh, when you look at him statistically, uh, there's one guy who's at the top of the charts, but he's played literally like 15 minutes of a game. So I pulled him out. He doesn't really count. In Parikh's nine games, he is 7-1-1-0. So a very sparkling winning record from him. Spokane is third in the U.S. division uh, in the WHL. They're 12-8-2-0. and So he has been stepping up. Again, just two losses under his belt of the nine games that he has played. So some good work from the rookie goaltender. Moving eastward, we've got Jacob Ingham in Kitchener, 2018 sixth round pick of the Kings. Um, This is his first season actually with Kitchener, the previous three he has played for Mississauga. And uh, this season, Kitchener is struggling. You know They acquired Ingham because they knew that they wanted an experienced starter in net and Ingham was just not really a good fit with Mississauga. He had a fantastic rookie season, but as the team's makeup kind of changed and, and as Mississauga sort of struggled and played a very loose sort of system in front of him, his numbers took a dip. So it was good to get him a fresh start somewhere else. However, Kitchener has just been besieged by injuries to key players. They just fired their coach. They're just overall really, really struggling this season. And now Ingham, who had been one of the standout players for the Rangers all season so far, is out with an injury. He has been out since early November. He also had to pull out of the Canada-Russia series, where he was supposed to represent Kitchener and play a game there. He tweaked something in practice, according to team staff, but nothing more specific has been given out. But he also hasn't played since the beginning of November. So, you know, whatever he tweaked is enough to have kept him out for essentially a month. He did take on the bulk of the work for Kitchener before he was injured. He played in 12 games, 6-3-2-1 record save percentage, 3.28 goals against average. Those are some of the best numbers that he's put up in quite some time. He was really doing well behind a struggling Kitchener team. Before he started missing time, he briefly led the OHL in shots faced and saves made because of just how bad Kitchener has been defensively. He's been seeing a lot of pucks. He is still 14th in that stat despite not playing since November 1st. So that tells you exactly how many shots that he faced before he went down with injury. And the last goalie prospect we're going to talk about is our college goalie, David Rennick, who is at St. Cloud State University. He was a 2018 fifth round pick of the Kings He has played every game for St. Cloud so far. So he's like the Cal Peterson of St. Cloud State, I guess. I believe his counterpart got into a few sort of exhibition games. But when it comes to the games that actually count, uh, it has been all David Rinnick. So in those 12 games, he is 2-6 and 3.881 save percentage, 3.22 goals against average. Definitely not the greatest numbers in his career, but... St. Cloud is definitely not quite as dominant as they have been in years past. They've lost four in a row right now. They're 2-6-4, and four, which is really, really bad for St. Cloud, who have just been dominant in years past in the regular season. They're the team that they're basi- they've basically been like the Tampa Bay Lightning of the NCAA, where they just roll over everybody in the regular season and then when the playoffs come, um, or in the NCAA case, when you start to get into like bracket tournament play and everything, they just absolutely crumble. And that's what's happened the past couple of years to St. Cloud. So maybe they're taking the like, we just need to get in and then maybe we'll win Frozen 4. But things not looking great for St. Cloud. They lost a lot of their top players from last year, including our very own Blake Lazat. Uh, they lost Jimmy Schult, who is a Vegas prospect on defense. A bunch of other big names as well left St. Cloud either via turning pro early or via graduating. St. Cloud isn't getting blown out, so I wouldn't really put a lot of this on poor goaltending. Their last couple losses: lost two to one to North Dakota, four to two to North Dakota. You know, five to two to Colorado College. I'm sure that you know one of those is probably an empty net goal. Four to two to Colorado College. You know, they had a couple of ties in there, but they're not games that are hugely disparate in terms of goals scored. So a lot of it is just St. Cloud really struggling their offense. It remains to be seen what is going to happen with Rennick after this season. He could choose to turn pro, which means the Kings would have to find a place for him somewhere. He is a junior, so he has one more year of eligibility, so he could also return. But um, some challenging times for St. Cloud State, who is not used to losing or having a losing record at all, whatsoever. So that is it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about the Islanders game, fill you in on anything else important that happens. Hopefully we'll have an update on Alec Martinez and his condition. uh, And we'll just cross our fingers that it's just like he needs some band-aids and he'll be okay again. But thank you for listening. Thank you for (laughs) experiencing that Sharks game along with me. It's great to have friends to suffer through these things with. You can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E Said Sarah with an H. And also find this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnLAKings. Kings. Give us both a follow, um, especially if you follow the podcast Twitter. You can get important announcements like today the show is going to be late or Tomorrow, my computer is going to be exploding and therefore there will be no show or, you know, whatever. But give us both a follow. Make sure you never miss a show because I will tweet them directly into your Twitter feeds and you'll have a link right there. Of course, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on whatever your podcast app of choice is, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever. It's all there. If you are listening just to this show for the first time, just like click back or whatever, and then hit that subscribe button. And of course, tell all your friends all about the show. Make sure anyone you know who loves the Kings and loves podcasts is on board with the show and listens to it because we should just all be good friends. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being an excellent audience. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about more Kings on Lockdown Los Angeles Kings, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.